Thank you so much for listening to Breadwinning Mums. We really appreciate your continued support over the last year, and we're happy to announce that we have published the Breadwinning Mums book. Yay! This book is based on the conversations from the Breadwinning Mums season one episodes. It highlights the candid journeys of each mums, as well as a golden nugget of wisdom from their life's lessons. Now is the perfect time to give the gift of the Breadwinning Mums book to the special mums in your life or to yourself. No matter where you are in life, I'm sure the practical tips within the Breadwinning Mums book will help you take your lives just a little bit further. Limited copies available, so order yours now at breadwinningmums.com. That's breadwinningmums.com. Coming up next on the Breadwinning Mums. Probably around a certain age of the children, um, there was a challenge. Uh, and I think, I think back then it was a case of communicating the challenges. Yeah. I think if you don't communicate, never assume anything. Yeah. And so it's about communicating. But you know mm. what, Jane, if you don't act on what both parties are saying, what they're communicating to each other, mm. um, then there's, there's just, why bother even doing it? everyone and welcome to the breadwinning mums podcast this is a place where we debunk the myths of working mums cheer each other on and show the world that it's okay to be a mum and still pursue excellence in your chosen area of expertise today we're chatting with tanya sale a fellow breadwinning mum with two children Tanya is the CEO and co-founder of Outsource Financial. She shared with us her journey of playing professional sports, finding a different career in banking due to injury, and starting out her own business. Here we go with Tanya Sale. Tanya. Hello, Jane. How are you going? I'm going extremely well. And yourself? I'm really, really well. Thank you. I know that you're a very busy person, so I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, my pleasure, mate. Everyone's busy. Yeah, well, and especially you. <laughs> <laughs> especially me. No, yeah. true, truer words were never spoken. 
<laughs> so obviously we've known each other for a very long time, but for those who are listening, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. Of course, my name is Tanya Sale. I'm the CEO of uh, Outsource Financial. Outsource Financial is um, one of the largest independent mortgage aggregators in Australia. My background uh, has all, and I'm the founder, one of the founders, the other founder is Andrea Tussis, um, only female-owned mortgage aggregator in Australia. Um, my background is very much banking and finance. Yeah. Um, started off many, many, many years ago. Um, I'm Queensland born and bred, very proud of my Queenslanders, uh, but living in Sydney, of course, for the last 23 years. So I may be living in Sydney, Jane, but I'm a <laughs> but you're still living through. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so I have a very long history in the finance world um, mm. overall. Um, I've built um, an aggregation for another corporation prior. Um, I've been in the third-party aggregation for um, a couple of the big, well, one of the big banks and helped, I guess, them create the uh, third-party division mm. of that, that institute. Um, but overall, just, yeah, virtually all my life, born and bred into the banking and finance world. Oh, really? So both of your parents were in the financial world? Oh, no, no, definitely not. No, no, just me, many me. I, um, I've just loved. Yeah. I've been in the finance world, oh, God, since 17. Oh, wow. Okay. So, and so I know it all across all across the spectrum. I've had yep. the greatest pleasure of being able to um, be involved in some shape or form any of the changes that's happened in the lending mm. um, space over the years mm. and which links into, I guess, the wealth side as well and the accounting side. Mm. Okay, Especially, perfect. Yeah. So that's just a snapshot. I don't want to bore everyone with my whole history. <laughs> <laughs> never, never a dull moment with you. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd like to go back to the young Tanya. What was the young Tanya like? Oh, the young Tanya, a bit of a sports fanatic, still is. Um, bit of a little bit of a rap bag, I think. <laughs> um, really? So, just oh, very passionate about things. The young Tanya really just loved um, playing sport until one day one of the the bankies tapped me on the shoulder, or my father actually tapped me on the shoulder, and advised me that you know playing sport no matter what level, um, is never going to pay, especially back then. Remember back mm. then women's sport it was just unheard of in regard to the professional side of things. Um, it was just never going to cut it, never going to pay the bills, hence um, pinned my ears back a bit and um, just dedicated um, myself to having a career. And this is mm. why the banks have been so important for me because Back then, the bank that I was working for really supported me in, you know, being able to play the sport that I loved. Um, but also then when I said, okay, I'm, I understand that there's a career here, they really mm. supported me and I, they paid for uh, my edu the higher education in regard mm. to, yeah. And, and, and so I can't thank them enough um, yeah. back then and because... And even getting a, a position 
in a bank back then, I was speaking on a another podcast previously, like back then the banks, everybody wanted to work for a bank and it was really, really hard to get into because it was just so popular. So mm. I was very lucky that I got into uh, a situation where I got a position in the bank and was able to work myself all the way through it in many different divisions. So I was yep. very skilled overall, which yep. was a bonus for me going forward in my in my life in general. Yeah. Okay. So you're probably the best person for me to ask this question then. What do you think would be the key areas of concern that has led us to the Royal Commission into the banking and financial services industry? Wow, that's that's a really good question. Um, well, I guess I have to be very careful here, don't I? Um, <laughs> the Royal Commission was, I uh, guess, something that had to happen, mm. I believe. The banks were just, you know, having the monopoly um, big time and just there was really no management oversight mm. when you think about it. Um we can Do you think there was no management oversight or the whole system was just set up that way to really further the shareholder mentality? Oh, look, definitely. But that just links into management oversight as well because if there was oversight um, on a high level from the regulators, um, they would never allow that type mm. of behaviour to go mm. down that path. So when I say management oversight, I probably would say, should say regulatory oversight. Yes. Yeah. Um, forget the management oversight. Um, mm. So yes, and and that's why the consumer back then was the one really paying the price, and mm. it became it became out of control. Yeah. Hence the Royal Commission happened, uh, yep. and banks were called to to front to say this is not going to be accepted any longer. Mm. Uh, and it wasn't. Uh, things have changed mm. a lot. I can mm. see things are changing a lot. Well, I can tell you now in our industry, like the, for the mortgage, the mortgage broking industry, unfortunately, got thrown under the bus um, in this Royal Commission. And the Royal Commission was never about us or that industry. It was purely should have been about the banks. Mm. And so a wider spectrum all got bundled in to this yeah. Royal Commission. And the financial planning, the wealth side, you know, that that's unfortunately been absolutely hammered over the years. And now you see yourselves in the in the wealth side, um, like the number of financial um advisors for, or from planners, um, the numbers are I've never yep. seen the numbers ever, ever like yep. this my whole entire life. And it's a very yep. sad story. Yeah. Well, it's swimming back the other way with Michelle Levy's um review so we'll see but sometimes i feel like that's going too far the other way so we'll let's see whether if we can reach a nice balance and that's where it's got to happen in in mm. your industry it, um when i say not just your industry i'm talking about the wealth industry in general the balance mm. there's mm. never seems to be a balance mm. in that industry you know mm. there's people in your industry and i believe they're standing up now but when the mortgage broking industry got thrown underneath the bus we all joined together, banded yeah. together, and we yeah. were all singing from the same page. Yeah. Other industries really have to take a good look on how we acted and reacted um, mm. to what happened to our industry. 
we're very strong industry. We're yeah. growing at a massive rate. 70% of nearly all mortgages in Australia are now done through a mortgage broker or third mm. party. Mm. And at the financial planning side, you were so strong. Mm. But when the time came, unfortunately, you were fractured. Mm. Mm. I see that's where um, now you've got a lot of work to do to, do, to get it back to even on a, um, a percentage of what it was because it was a thriving industry that's just gone down, down the yep. toilet, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Well, for most of us that are still in the industry, I think it's a wonderful um, place to be in because we're all doing the right thing anyway, even before mm. the Royal Commission. So it's just a continuation of what we were doing. Uh, but I want to... Sorry, one more thing, Janet, really. Australians need mm. financial Exactly. Companies. They exactly. need the wealth side so much. Um, yep. So it's great, exactly what you said. It's a great industry um, and it would be fantastic to see it turn around and keep on going up and up and up. So I want to go back to that young Tanya. Yeah. So did you always know that you were going to be a career person or were you always into sports? Did you want to be a professional athlete? I did want to be a professional athlete in some shape or form. Um, mm. I never thought I'd have a career like I have, that's for sure. And I and I say again, I was very lucky um, that I got into a bank um, when mm. I did at that young mm. age. Uh, and then one of the, the position I got into was, you know, you look back now and you have the biggest laugh. And I told this story the other day, um, that my first position in a bank was as a personal assistant, you know, equivalent mm. to executive assistant. I was mm. like the worst executive PA you've ever seen in Australia. <laughs> How that poor fellow put up for me for so long. But he was the one that identified my skill sets and my talent. I was a real people's person. To this day, I still am. Yeah. And he knew I was never going to cut it being his PA or anyone's <laughs> PA. Yeah. Um, so, You're too bossy to be a PA. Oh, I was too busy having to chat to everyone. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, it just it just wasn't me. And yeah. but the thing is, instead of him moving me on and losing my job, he actually got me into branch land nice. um, in the bank, and that's yeah. Then perfect. I, I just yeah. learned. So yeah, that's great. What sport did you play? I played women's um touch football. Oh no way. Um, oh, nice. I was also playing, um, well, not back then, but when it happened, I was um, part of the inaugural. Now, don't even ask me why I got into rugby union because <laughs> I didn't really like rugby union that much. I'm a big <laughs> NRLW or big NRL fan. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got conned into some of my my crazy sports mates that said, you know, we've been asked to get a you know bunch of athletes together and yeah. field an inaugural rugby women's rugby union um, oh wow this was in brisbane in queensland yeah anyway i did yeah played it for a few years until one of those big forwards ended up catching me and um it really hurt and um yeah. broke a rib and i went oh wow I'm doing this was again. that yeah was that the transition i was going to ask was it hard mm -hmm. to transition from you know, almost a full-on uh, sports professional career into 
more of a traditional yeah, really, banking. Yeah, it probably would have. I think that really got in my head that I need to be career focused. Mm. Um, mm. I was starting to be career focused prior to that, mm. um, but only a little bit. But yeah. that that really really put the dampers on me because uh, I the doctor um, said to me if I was going to continue to play that kind mm. of full on mm. contact contact sport. sport and then, mm. you know, you know the size of me. I'm only five foot four. I may, yeah. I may have been fit, but um, yeah. coming against one of those rugby union women forwards ain't a yeah. pretty look. Um, yeah. Then where because the rib was up near, if I did it again, it would have splintered and maybe gone into my heart. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So there's no way I was going to mm. risk that mm. happening. So yeah. I stuck with my touch footy um, yeah. club level and state level and all that. Okay. All right. What about being a mum? Did you always know that you were going to be a mum? No, I didn't. I had no uh, no intentions or in desire to be a mum. <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you one thing: do when I was uh, and is a, a mum, it was it was just the most beautiful thing um, ever. I actually loved being a mum. I really yeah. did. It, you get, I get so much satisfaction. Um, words. I mean, you're a mum. You you would know. And there's a lot of mums out there. They would know what I'm saying. That they really probably can't put it into words. You just get this overwhelming feeling in one's body and brain um, that you know you just don't experience. And yeah, it, it fully consumes you. It transforms you. It really does. I think you know, as a person, we're we're nurturers. So um, yeah, it just you just that takes over. Everything yeah. that you need to do, you know. I used to um, go home and I want to make sure I went home because at that time um, when the kids were little, um, I was starting off outsource financial. Yeah? Okay. How yeah, old were the kids? In, sorry? How old were the kids when you started outsource? Uh, I think then, well, when I was starting to build, sorry, when I was starting, oh, I have to think, I think about, Maybe five or six. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. yeah so littleies. Yeah, they were yeah. Little, they were littleies. Um, and I mean, yeah. So I was very conscious of that too. I didn't want to be one of these mums, or mm. whatever, just one of these parents. Mm. Um, mm. that all I did is work, 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 and the children yep. really only ever had one parent instead of two. So yeah, uh, I was very conscious of. You know, going home, trying to go, make sure we had a family dinner, mm. make sure I was, you know, reading them stories and making them laugh and twisting the stories to something silly. Yeah, um, be present. Be present. And then after that, though, um, I would go straight back into work. I mean, yeah, I after the kids are tucked in bed. Working. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was full on. It was yeah. a, that's it, full on. It was not a nine-to-five role ever. Um, mm. you're just working long hours and there's a lot of mums out there and parents out there that could really relate to that. Yeah, totally. I think juggling work and life demands is very tricky, especially with young kids, but juggling work and life demands while you're starting something and especially outsource has grown into something that is, you know, it's like a, a contender in the, um, aggregation business. Mm. Um, how did you juggle all that? Oh, you know what? And this I say, you have to have support. No mm. matter what you are, who you are, whatever, 
if you do not have those support mechanisms in place around you, mm. you won't be able to manage it. Mm. You really won't. I was lucky enough that I have a very um, supporting partner that was a lot stay at home. But we also, oh. yeah, um, kind of stay at home, but working is still, but not full time like like I was. But in yeah. some of that too, um, having two young kids, um, mm. this is where our friends came into. You know, a couple of our friends was just so supportive. Mm. It's it was unbelievable because I didn't. Have, my family's not here. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, because they're in Brisbane, Queensland. Oh, yeah. My uh, well, my my dad died when I was was you know around about twenty nine thirty. So I didn't have. Oh, my sorry dad. to hear that. No, you're right, and my mum as, as well later on. But so I didn't have that family that mm. everyone else had. So yep. my family um, became my my friends. Your friends, yeah, partner, of course. So if I didn't have them, I I honestly believe Jane. I don't know what yep. would have happened to tell you the truth. Yep. Would the outsource have grown to the size yep. of grown to, today? Um, yeah, just lucky as well that on the business level. I've had, I've got one of the best business partners that that it could ever be, and that's complement each other. Yeah, yeah, and that's a rarity because when you go into partnership, um, in business partnership with someone, mm. you know, you hear all these horrible stories. You really do. Mm. That mm. hasn't been the case at Outsource Financial, and I put that down to maybe being part of the success because mm. the business relationship is just so strong and good and supportive. So yep. all through then. Um, and then Andrea um, was around, that she's my business partner, um, with the, you know, she's one of my friends that also, what I say, that was helping, mm. you know, the mm. support mechanisms around the children mm. for myself and my partner. Yeah, yeah. that's great. If you great. don't have that, mate, it, it's, it's, um, it, it'll be tough. Yeah. How did you meet Andrea? Um, through um, um, CBA. Commonwealth oh, Bank. you were working together? No, well, she was working at Commonwealth Bank. I was in a different um, division. But then Andrea went, left um, the Commonwealth Bank and decided to be a mortgage broker. Okay. And so she went to an aggregator. Um, back then it was called Law Fund. Um, and part of my portfolio when I was at CBA third party was being the ma- relationship type management of, um, one of the, some of the aggregators and one of those aggregators was Law Fund. Bingo. Oh, there you yeah, go. Andrea and um, quite a few of the, um, the the brokers that followed me to this day. That's Apple. excellent. So, yeah. Yep. So it's okay. gone back. Our, our friendship um, and business relationship has gone back probably, oh, 20, 20-odd years. Yeah. Okay. And so did you reach out to her uh, yeah. to co-found uh, Outsource? Yes, I did. Yes, I do. Why Andrea? I think the industry that knows me um, would know and knew that if I was ever going to branch out and build my own aggregation group, I was always going to ask Andrea Tassis to yeah. be part of it. Now, back then, probably it's a bit to this day, but back then Andrea was, you know, conservative mm. um, in regard to, you know, just everything, just conservative conservative mm. with the lending to make sure everything was spot on. But mm. what she does have, what she did have, well, she's the hardest worker I've ever seen. Mm. Um, and she, her ethics, 
Mm. Her work ethics and her ethics were, mm. was something that, you know, we, we became friends. We were, we were mates. Um, yep. And when I wanted to do this, I thought, oh, no, I have to sit down with her to try and convince her to say, yeah. come on, mate, let's do it. Like, let's do it. So yeah. I ran one day and I said, hey, Andrea, do you want to catch up? I've got, I've got a really good idea I want to run past you. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure, Dan. So we rock up to um, a little cafe in Norton Street, Leichhardt, <laughs> and I sit down and I go, look, I'm going to come up with this great idea. She was probably used to me coming up with these wild ideas. But I've got this great idea and I just want to know if you want to be part of it. So I said, don't mm. say anything, just think it through, go mm. home and whatever. So I just said, mm. I really want to build my own aggregation. Because I want to do it the way it should be done. Mm. And I said, and I would want you to be part of it, mm. the co- one of the co-founders, you and I. Anyway, yep. I thought she'd go, oh, God, I don't know about that. It's pretty risky, yep. whatever. Yep. And it went silent. Yep. So I went, oh, no, she's just going to say, look, yeah, no, can't yep. do it. Yep. She got, yep. I'll never forget the day, Jane. She got up, she smashed her hand on the table, and she went, I'm in. You know, <laughs> everyone around there, what's going on here? And I, it was, and that's how our outsource started. That's where it began. And um, yeah. to this day, we still laugh about it. Yeah. So I said, you didn't even have to think about it. She went, oh, she what she said something, I know which horse to back. So <laughs> and she always says now, she goes, I back the right horse, blah, 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 joking. <laughs> And from that day on, we just, yeah, we built outsource to what it is today and what it will be in the future. So you mentioned before you wanted to build an aggregator the way it should be. How should it be? What's the ideal um, aggregator in your mind? The ideal aggregator is one that you would look at. We call them our members. So, you know, Mm. one of mm. this podcast mortgage the mortgage brokers so mm. we treat and should treat every member as our business partner this mm. is not a one-way street it's not an aggregator putting on a mortgage broker sitting back getting a clip getting a percentage of of the commission and just saying thanks for joining catch you later hope you go well but never more to be like a clearinghouse. Mm. We are not a clearinghouse. I never wanted to be a clearinghouse, never be a clearinghouse. It would be, it's about actually forming a really strong business relationship with the mortgage broker, with them. Yeah. They're our business yeah. partners. And I also wanted to put support mechanisms and resources in into um into that as well and not Mm. just taking a clip it's not about the clip it's about Mm. we actually care we really really care and that's what I wanted to build an aggregator on that we're all in this together Mm. all of us the success Mm. of outsource has come from the success of our mortgage brokers our members and Mm. the big thing for us too is the training and education we Mm. just we wanted to yes assist our members in growing, but then take off some of that workload of the the struggles that when you do grow, hence Mm. that's why our mentoring program was born. 
our yeah, continue to nurture. And and mm. so we're working with our members on a day-to-day basis. Mm. And that's just one of the differences that we really wanted to make. And we wanted to we wanted to change the way lending was done in Australia. We wanted mm. the mortgage broker to become the educator mm. for the consumer to educate mm. them in the transaction and just not do the transaction. Yeah. Yeah. And that became a major part of outsource. And that's um, that's a big part of the growth. Our our mortgage, our members, our mortgage brokers, they they take it quite seriously and passionately about, mm. you know, jumping on our journey and educating the consumer. Mm. So they that's excellent. Yeah. So just things like that. And we just we just don't want to be a clearinghouse. So I think we started our business about the same time. Our source is about 14, 15 years. Is that right? 13 years. 13 years. How has the first 10 years been like and how did it affect your family life? Oh, that's another good question. So the first 10 years, well, the first five years was, you know, well, actually it still is today, um, <laughs> full on, full on. Mm. But for the first five years, because remember the kids were little, mm. they were really small, so they mm. had their wants and needs as well. Mm. So I had to, you had to find a really, you had to find a really strong balance, and mm. that that became challenging, Jane. I, I won't deny it. It became yep. very challenging that outsource. First, she was my third child. Yeah. So I had to put the time. Sorry, the time. Um, and all these other things in in building because outsource was growing very very quickly. Yeah. So I've just you just have to juggle. Mm. I just had to make sure on the weekends that I was very present. Mm. That if you know my son, even though I was flat out and I was probably stressed and was full on, that you know if my son saying you know come on mama I want to go can you take me to the park I want to play mm. cricket. The last thing I probably wanted to do is go to the park and play cricket. But <laughs> yeah. then part of it was the best thing I ever did was go to the yeah. park and play cricket. Yeah. Or take him to the to the um to the um beach, because we live at the yeah. beach. Um and I'd say, okay, let's go for an hour. And after mm. three or four hours of trying diving in to try and drag him out of the, the water saying, Come on, let's go home. Or, mm. or then uh, with my daughter, the dance, going to the dance classes. And then mm. all of a sudden, I, you know, she got shy, so I had to be involved in the dance classes, dancing with us. So <laughs> things, little things like that, yeah, that would have meant and mean a lot to them. To them, yeah, in the moment, yeah. But it, it, yeah, it was very challenging. I make no doubt about it. Even yeah, you know, and outsourcing and stopped growing. It's still growing up. Yeah, one of still growing up. One of the reasons why I started this podcast was to basically soothe my mum's guilt when I leave the kids at home, right? Right. Are there any certain tips or strategies that you use back then when the kids were still small and really wanted and needing of you, like physically as well? Um, Was there any specific things that you told yourself when you have that mum's guilt? Oh, look, there'd probably be better mums out there than me in this situation. (laughs) Um, all I and all I can think of is that I always kept on thinking, like with my dad, 
Like my dad worked full time as well. And I mean, not like this situation, of course, but back then, you know, my dad, no matter how busy he was with his job, um, he never, he made things fun. Mm. Um, and I and he was present as much as he could be. But when he was present, mm. they're the things I remember. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's one thing that I took into motherhood and, yeah. and being a working mum yeah. is that I'll never forget my childhood on a Friday night when we used to have a talent night. My sister and I, we would have to come up whether we sing or dance, whatever, and my dad was the judge. Um, <laughs> little things like that, uh, like even at Easter, like with the kids. Yeah. I yeah. remember too my dad used to build these little boxes with hay type thing in and when you woke up on Easter morning, um, there was the Easter eggs there. And then there was Easter egg hunt. Um, yeah. Little things like that yeah. don't, the little things make yeah. the big things. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I wanted to do. Yeah. So it's to highlight those little moments. But it's the little the- moments that's going to have such a major impact yeah. on them. Uh, yeah. That's that's one thing I think I, I, I hopefully did quite well. Yeah. Really okay. Did quite well. Being a working woman in Australia is such a privilege. I think we live in a society where it's accepted and we are encouraged to live our best self. Um, But there is still a little bit of a stigma around stay-at-home dads, even in the current generation. Um, So going back to a couple of, you know, a couple of years back, did your partner ever have to deal with this stigma in his personal space, headspace? Um, no, what are your takes really. on that? Not really. I think how you position it. Um, um, you're right. That because you know what, it's that old, you know, the old style blokey. Oh, come on, mm. mate. You know, what are you? Mm. You know, what are you a wuss or something? You're some whatever. Mm. Um, mm. that's going, mm. I believe, uh, slowly, mm. but even in in the industries overall, I think bit by bit it's going because. There would have been some leaders, some front leaders in that space um, with the men. Mm. There really would have been. And it would have been interesting to ask them mm. how they felt, um, mm. to tell you the truth, the ones that were leading the way. Um, mm. But I think there's a long journey for that side. Yep. Just with us women, we've had a long journey. I yep. think that that component mm. Um it's going to be a long journey to get rid of that stigma. Yes, it's still there yep. in some shape or form, but yep. I think it's getting better. So, you know, the ones that really don't give give um, a, a flying hoot, what other people think, it's mm. about what's best for their family and their mm. situation. Mm. So I, I, I admire them and I think good on you for not, yep. you know, who cares what society thinks or some part mm. of society thinks. It's what's going to impact you and your family and that's what you do it for you and your family nobody else yeah that's awesome so what's life for you like right now ah hectic um (laughs) my life hasn't changed it's probably gotten busier and busier but um in saying that I still have a beautiful balance I'm I'm a big hiker these days so what I do um I, I make sure I have plenty of um 
Tanya time and family time or whatever time. So I go hiking a lot with my partner. Um, I travel. So if I travel, I'm traveling a lot with outsource, then I'll I'll tack on a couple of days in wherever I am and mm. you know, we'll go for a hike in that mm. situation. But mm. outsource, um outsource is still growing, Jane. I mean yeah. it's not a you know, baby. It's not even a teenager anymore. It's mm. it's growing right up, and it's growing into something that is really, really special. So yep. again, we we stick to what we built this company for. Um, but yeah, look, life's life's hectic, but I love it. I yep. love. Well, yep. I, I do have the balance. I do have a balance. That's which I good. Think is very important because you've got to have you know you time. Yeah, in a situation like this, and don't feel guilty about it because yeah, definitely we need new, we need you time. Yeah, what do you do other than hiking for you? Um, I I go to the um stadium. I mean, I'm a member of the stadium um alliance. I live mm. in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, mm. uh, and there's this big alliance stadium. But what they've built there um is the you know fantastic gym, um, and but it's got you know ice baths steam rooms mm. and that so i go there regularly uh and oh, nice. I, so i love yeah. um, having ice baths which yeah. whoa just yeah you, wakes you, up. Like you get in that ice bath for a couple of minutes and jump out you feel like a million dollars it's unreal yeah yeah so i do that um i just yeah a lot of a lot of exercise i love it yeah okay great um so for anyone who's ever been with a partner for more than a week I think they know how hard it is right, to keep a partnership going um, over the past decade or so um, with the kids that you have with outsource that you're raising has there ever been a moment uh, where you were really challenged on a personal basis and without going into the specifics maybe if you could share what you learned through it and how you were able to go past through it as a couple yeah, look, um, probably around a certain age of the children, um, there was a challenge. Uh, and I think I think back then it was a case of communicating the challenges. Yeah. And I think if you don't communicate, never assume anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then when it got to a situation, we went, wow, um, okay. And so it's about communicating. But you know mm. what, Jane, if you don't act on what both parties are saying, what they're communicating to each other, mm. um, then there's there's just why bother even doing it. But mm. I think communication, one thing that I learned, um, mm. in that, and there's only been that that one, you know, the challenge. Um, but the certain age of the children, you know, was just full on, you know, they were getting to a certain age and, you know, they weren't. Teenager. Pleasant. Yeah, pleasant. They yeah. weren't pleasant little critters. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, you just can't mm. turn your back and go, oh, I'll let, I'll let you yeah. do it. Or I'll let yeah. you do it. It's not. It's, it's, a, joint, it's a joint situation um, mm. and you've got to communicate with each other. Especially mm. in that situation, like teenagers, you would know. Oh my goodness, everyone out there would know. I mean, <laughs> ones that don't know and haven't had to go through 
Um, yeah. Your teenagers being whatever they are, you may have yeah. the perfect teenagers. I, oh, I admire and <laughs> think, how lucky are you? Um, but the majority of us out there yeah. have gone through this and yeah. that's, that's the testing time. Yeah. Okay. So awesome. That's, that's, but other than that, got through that, happy days, happy life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you could go back to that young Tanya, the 17-year-old who's just about to start her job in the banks, <laughs> um, knowing all of the wealth of knowledge that you know now, what advice would you give that young Tanya? Oh, gee, remember that young Tanya was a little bit of a rat bag, Jane. Um, <laughs> what I would give that young Tanya to listen, probably listen a bit more. Um, yeah, that's what I think. I think that's that one word. You know, when you're young, you're reckless, you think, you know, you, you just, you know, you don't listen. But I think in some situations back then, if I would just stop, I would have stopped and just listened. I think um, that it would have helped me um, a lot in my young tenure. Yeah. So that's why now I, and remember, I'm I'm hyperactive at the best of times. So even, <laughs> even now when I'm in meetings and everything that uh, I really have to concentrate mm. really strong, get distracted. Mm -hmm. But the young Tanya attention span was of an ant. <laughs> um, the older Tanya is probably still the attention span of an ant, but I've now mo monitored it and uh, managed that I can actually do. And one of the big things was listening. Yeah. Because if you don't listen, you miss so much. Yeah. Or you and it links better. back to that communication skill. Because okay. to communicate better, you need to listen better as well. Correct. Correct. So yeah. that would be it for me, Jane. Mm, awesome. All right. And last question is, what's your alpha mom song? So if you have a lot of things going on at Outsource, your family really needs you and you don't feel your well yourself, what one song do you play on the backside of your mental mind to make it through the week? Oh, Wow. That's another good question. Um, <laughs> one song I really love is Fireworks from Katy Perry. Oh, yes, really that's my song pumping. too. Is yeah. it your song yeah, too? Yeah, it is. Yeah. There you go. It really gets me <laughs> pumping. I just love it. I love yeah. it. So, yes, Katy Perry, Fireworks. Okay, awesome. All right, Tanya, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks, and hopefully man. I get to see you very soon. Spectacular. Yes. Yes, yes, that'll be fun as well. Thanks, okay. Jane, thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. Thanks, See you then. Bye-bye. Bye. This episode of Breadwinning Mums was produced by Jane Lim. Our theme music was produced by Sam McNally, and we recorded this episode on the lands of dark people who have passed their parenting story for generations, and we pay our respects to their elders past and present and thank them for caring for country. Connect with us through LinkedIn at Breadwinning Mums. Until next time. Thank you.